109th episode of The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom, media, and technology from Recon Analytics. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How are you doing, Roger? I'm great. So, Roger, this week you're on the road again. Uh, This time we're talking to you from the 6G Symposium in Washington, D.C. And to join us to talk about that, we've got uh, Mark Price, the CTO of Matrix, here as well. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So, gentlemen, today we're going to talk about new charging models for 5G. How are services going to charge for 5G differently than they have on 4G? That's a fantastic question. Yeah, and it's really part of why we're here today. Uh, Although this is a 6G symposium, uh, 5G is just on the cusp of uh, realizing its potential. So uh, I think one of the major questions that people are asking is, uh, where's the new revenue going to come from and how services are going to be charged differently? So it takes a while to answer that question fully, but let's start by unpacking really what that means. Uh, We have a lot of new devices that are coming with 5G. People are anticipating that there are new revenues associated with those new devices because the services are different. I think both on the consumer and the enterprise side, we need a difference in behavior to be able to charge people differently. People are already expect with the services they get and the devices that they get that there's a certain behavior model. Uh, but, but that's very hard, right? Change, changing behavior is very hard. Changing it is hard. And, you know, right now the, the approach pre-standalone core, pre you know, 5G where your killer app is a speed test. It's basically the same thing as 4G. That's right. You know, just faster. That's so, right. Mark, how, how do you see this changing? And how does, the, how does the, the gamut of things of how we monetize this evolve? Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is absolutely the question. And, and we have misled, to some extent, people into thinking that they have a mature 5G from a marketing perspective, when in fact, you know, most consumers don't realize they really don't have that yet. It it, it takes a difference in the service and different new devices to actually have realized the vision for 5G so that we can get to those new business models. And I talked about it last week at Mobile World Congress that, you know, we're waiting for latency to become a dimension which we can monetize because right now latency is still in the 30s to hundreds right and that's no no different than it was 4g well a little bit little bit less you know and to be fair with 5g it's probably in the 30s to 60s right but that's not fast enough we need 15 milliseconds or even below that. And so how, how do you see that, Mark? This is one of my favorite examples, actually. So let, let's explore this one a little bit more fully. That there are new business models potentially on the B2C side, the business the, 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 uh, to, to consumer side, as well as to the B2B side and selling to enterprises. Let's, let's unpack them a little bit separately. But first, let's take what, what could be the easy one that people talk about, which is, in theory, if you're a gamer or if you're uh, using financial services, there is a value potentially in having a much lower latency service, an ultra low latency service. If that is the case, then, uh, you know, in theory, I should be able to monetize that. But the, the challenge with that, as you say, is firstly, it has to be available, which it's not available yet until the, the networks become more mature. I need a full 5G core as well as the radio end to end. But then even when I have that available, the question is how much of that is under the control of the 
the the operator, the telco, versus how much of that is outside of their control. So it, it, from a, a end user perspective, if I'm paying for ultra low latency, I'm expecting the entire service in its entirety to be ultra low latency. And yet, you know, Verizon, for example, or AT and T or any any uh, operator uh, only T-Mobile, or T Mobile, not to leave them out, only right? controls a part of that service. And so the the challenge is again, is it possible to embrace partnerships? with other entities that will sign up in entirety for an end-to-end service. And again, this may include not only the radio link, but also the potentially an enterprise server or, or uh, you know, whatever I'm reaching at the end of that, the game, well, for example. For, for some, this is already happening. I, I don't think I can talk about it, but I know of arrangements between communications providers and partners that consumers really like to use content partners content partners that's a good word that's right that's right, right. and this is this is the first i think the earlier success models will be those that are confined to those types of controllable partnerships that are possible to provide slas service level agreements the uh, the alternative by the way is on the b2b side and these are potentially more manageable because then it really is the relationship directly between the operator and an enterprise partner this is more controllable from a a telco perspective and again these are are definitely revenue opportunities because it might be the gaming company itself that requires that link to be very low latency and that's something Mm -hmm. that they may pay for so that that is an example now in order for that to be achievable one one of the things that uh, my company matrix is is helping to work with we we work in the standards communities we work in ecosystems to make it possible to instrument that type of information so that is it becomes an asset that is chargeable to to enable these new business models today one of the biggest problems telcos have and it, it, it stems from that earlier period that we talked about it's still the case today that the the only reliable metrics that come from the network today that are really easily available to, to, to make visible and control our minutes, messages, and megabytes. And so as a result, most of the business models that we see in our industry are either based on minutes, messages, megabytes, or they're unlimited. So we need the, the, the instrumentation to provide visibility and control over a wealth of metrics. Latency is one of them. And then what we're really hoping is that the promise is that these new APIs are bringing in a lot more information, not only from networks, but from enterprise partners that provide reliable metrics that can be used in these new charging models. That's exciting. So what do you see on the horizon here? What what are the the next things? You know, we talked about latency as one dimension. What would be another? A big big example is we think that whether or not the the, the term for this may be uh, uh, different. There's a term in the in the three GPP standards, which is the home of five G, six G, which calls this the network data analytics function (NWDAF). There are other people that are not using that term, and they're talking about machine learning and AI and other other contexts. But the idea of having big big data has traditionally been something that is sucked down from sources like we're talking about and is stuck somewhere where it's just simply unusable in any, in some cases, an unusable period. And in other cases, it's unusable in an easy, consumable, real-time manner to be able to drive these types of business models. What we actually see is that increasingly now, that type of information is being leveraged in some sort of an artificial intelligence platform, uh, not to overuse that term, but effectively to be able to drive real-time business rules in a reliable way to a charging system so that we can essentially take network sources of data 
enterprise sources of data. And by network, I don't just mean the core network. So for, for engineers, this is important. We have to have a platform that controls device information, radio information, and core information in a unified way. Stitch that together with enterprise information from partners as well as maybe IT systems that are even inside of a telco. And then use that in a reliable manner to drive to, to the business systems. That's what it, Matrix is the link, if you will, between all of those sources of information and delivering it to the ultimately the billing systems. And what will enable that? You know, we we have great technical people listening to us, but we also have people who are not that deep into into that part of the business. What enables that for a a, a regular person? The, the the catalyst starts with again a change in thinking about the services that are possible. So we we need new devices. The uh, wearables, for example, are, are, are one of these things. We're waiting for uh, glasses to be actual practical, a new device that somebody can start to think about buying or charging differently. Could be IoT devices, so a drone, for example, or, mm-hmm. or a, an appliance, a connected appliance of some sort, right? Those are things that from an end-to-end perspective, I may buy that, bring that home. It may connect to an access network of some type so that I don't separately buy a device and a network like I do today. Right. And, and, and those are things that as those opportunities occur, I have new opportunities to drive new business models because this is a new service associated with a new entity coming to market. It's not the old model of I buy a phone, I buy a, a, a network package. It's going to be very hard, as you say, to change behavior around those things, whereas the opportunities coming as we're having... But it's something new it's and something there's new. No, no established expectation and experience. That's right. People are o- open for new things because they don't know any different. That's right. That's right. Now, in order for that to happen, though, we can't wait for the new devices. It's it's critical as the devices are emerging, again, to focus on not just the networks, not just the devices, but the enterprise partnerships. Because yep. at the end of the day, if telco doesn't work differently with enterprise, then none of this is going to work. And in all fairness, and telcos are hard to work with. They are. They're they're today or traditionally at least you know they've been very hard to work with that's exactly right so it's a change in mindset in order to attract enterprises to have a reason to to work with telcos differently because traditionally the enterprises have gone around telco and the danger is actually it's now more possible than ever to do that so with unlicensed spectrum private networks there actually is a risk as well as the hyperscalers essentially bleeding into what telcos are doing there is a risk that if it isn't attractive and easy to work with the telco on these partnerships people will go around them yeah it's like you know i always you know don and i always say like twilio is is connectivity for people who don't want to work with the the telco directly that's right and and so there's a tremendous amount of revenue that's achievable and the question is who will get it that's right right and and so Matrix helps telcos to make that much, much easier. It, it, it helps realize the opportunity. And, and it is both a threat and an opportunity, but we think it is a, a very strong opportunity, particularly at a time right now, again, where telcos are seeking new revenues. The reason revenues are challenged is actually because you know we're on the cusp of these new business models. The old models are basically outdated. So it really is a time to rethink a business, to, to rethink those partnerships, but rethink essentially the way that the business systems work. The entire 
BSS, to use the term, right, the business support systems were built and designed for one thing. And that one thing is, again, to essentially charge for minutes, messages, and megabytes. So it's really important not to to redo that entire infrastructure. That would be an incredibly costly thing. But to actually rethink the, the art of the possible is to put in a new business system that doesn't redo all of the old things. It does the new things well. And that really is the opportunity that Matrix has is to, if you were to start a greenfield today, which is largely what these new services are about, is a greenfield opportunity. How would I charge for those things? How, what you know? What models would I want to deploy? And how can I do that easily and, and scale so that it might start small but be able to scale large at, at an operationally attractive cost? Yeah, because the question is really what comes next, right? And and how how can the different parties in the value chain participate without being jumped over or left out? You know, the, the other aspect of it that, that probably should be said is it, it is also the case that 5G and 6G, so these services that we're talking about, there isn't any one of them that will suddenly become, you know, the service at scale. It's many of these services all add up to a larger revenue pie. But this also requires a different model because it means that as I deploy these things, I have to deploy each one with a business case that stands on itself and doesn't require a large investment. So again, it's a rethinking of the way to interconnect a a next generation business support system that can easily be managed, operated, deployed at scale and still make money for each one of those business cases. Over time, there's a very large pie, but we, we have to start small to get there. Yeah. No, thank you, Mark, for talking with me about, you know, these exciting opportunities that come and the different ways of how we will charge them. Really a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. Roger, we'll talk to you next week.